0: Students take to the airwaves to push Trump on gun control. Fergie does the worst version of the national anthem ever. And I saw Black Panther and I have thoughts. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. So many things going on. F-E-R-G-I-E-L-I-C-I-O-M-G-W-T-F was that. No one knows. We will play Fergie's worst national anthem of all time. Roseanne Barkin finally emerge from hiding after years of being shuttled off to safe spaces to prevent her being hit with rotten tomatoes. Fergie has now taken over that role. We'll discuss that. We'll also obviously get to a more serious business with regard to the Trump-Russia probe. We'll get to more serious business with regard to the, to the shooting in Parkland. But before we get to any of those things first, we have to say thank you to our sponsors over at Stamps.com. So Stamps.com is the easiest way to access all the amazing services of the post office. So you love what the post office does for you. I mean, they provide you good prices and they make sure that your mail gets there when it's supposed to get there, but you don't want to go to and wait in line at the post office. Well, Stamps.com makes it so you never have to do that again. You create your Stamps.com account in minutes online with no equipment to lease, no long-term commitments. You click print mail and you are done. It is convenient, it is easy, and it is reliable. You have the scale right there at your desk. You can weigh the mail so you're never paying for too much postage. And then you print out the stamps right there on a piece of paper, tape them to the to the envelope or print them directly under the envelope or onto a sticker, and you are ready to go. It brings, again, all of those amazing services at the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail, and they make it easy by sending you a digital scale that automatically calculates exact postage. They'll even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. So over here at The, at the Daily Wire, we use stamps.com all the time in order to save time and energy. Right now, you can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer from us that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. So what you do is you go to Stamps.com, there's a microphone at the top of the homepage, and you type in Shapiro, that promo code Shapiro, Stamps.com, enter Shapiro, after you click on that microphone at the top of the homepage, and you get a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale, which is a pretty generous offer from Stamps.com to get you started. You will enjoy it, and it will save you lots of time, and it will save you lots of money as well. So stamps.com, again, promo code Shapiro. Let them know that we sent you. Okay, so we begin with continuing fallout from the situation in Parkland, Florida. Obviously, there was a horrific, awful, evil event that occurred last week in Parkland, and that's what dominated the news over the weekend. President Trump uh, is apparently now considering whether he is going to push some gun control measures. One of the reasons he's doing that is because the media have launched an all-out emotional assault on gun control. Uh, Here is what CNN, Fox News, MSNBC have been doing. They've been covering all of the students from Parkland. They're high school students, and they're speaking out about gun control. Uh, So here are some of the students announcing national demonstrations on gun control.
1: Today, I'd like to announce that we have an event coming up to. Have everybody in the nation talking about what we're talking about. And one of the things we've been hearing is that it's not the time yet to talk about gun control. And we respect that. We've lost 17 lives, and our community took 17 bullets to the heart. And it's difficult to come back from that. So here's the time that we're going to talk about gun control March 24th, we have the March for Our Lives, which you can find at marchforourlives.com and expect to see us a lot. The March for Our Lives is going to be in all, every major city and we are organizing it so students everywhere can beg for our lives. Because at the end of the day, this isn't about the red and blue, the GOP and the Democrats. This is about adults and kids.
0: Now, whom are you going to beg for your life? you Are going to beg Trump for your life as though Trump could just flip a switch and suddenly these shootings would not happen anymore? It's There's significant disagreement about the method that should be used in order to militate against these shootings. There, there's significant and real disagreements on this. I've suggested there ought to be wildly up security standards at all of these schools that there ought to be uh, armed guards at virtually every door that you might consider at some of these schools actually putting into place some some doors that that can actually close across the campus and lock like they have at hospitals at many hospitals they have lockdown procedures where somebody active shooters in the hospital and so you actually lock off certain parts of the hospital from other parts of the hospital so that the shooter can't just walk through the halls with impunity and there's a lot of disagreement about this democrats want of course uh, bans on all sorts of weapons, including the AR-15, which is the most popular rifle in the United States. But this idea that it's all about begging, that it's all about if we just cared enough, that all of this would be, be fine, we just agree on everything, that, of course, is not true in the slightest. This, of course, however, is what, it, what the left is suggesting. So the same student, Cameron Kasky, he says you're either with us or against us, which is pretty wild language, considering we are all with you. No one wants to see kids get shot.
1: You're either with us or against us. We are losing our lives while the adults are playing around. And we have received endless support from your generation and we thank everybody for that immensely because we, we we really appreciate it. We don't need you. On March 24th, you are going to be seeing students in every single major city marching and we have our lives on the line here. And at the end of the day, that is going to be what's bringing us to victory. And to making some sort of right out of this tragedy.
0: I mean, what what does victory look like? What does victory look like? That's the real big question, okay? If victory is no more shootings, then we all agree on the definition of victory. If victory is a piece of gun control legislation that may or may not actually help, then we don't agree on what victory for the country looks like. And you can see that that some of these students, uh, obviously, they're very politically motivated. That's okay. I mean, they're, they're allowed to have their political motivations. My problem here is the same problem that I have with the country as a whole. The country as a whole, takes being on camera as some sort of imprimatur of of knowledge, of some sort of imprimatur of expertise, and that's really silly. So LeBron James speaks about politics. That's his right. He's allowed to do it. Some of the stuff he says, I think, is not completely wrong. But why would we treat, as a country, his version of politics with more credibility than people who have studied the issues and studied the personalities for a long time? I don't, and I don't think other people should. Why would we take a bunch of high school juniors and say that these are experts on gun policy now? They're not experts on gun policy simply because their school was targeted. These are people who have experienced significant pain, and obviously we all stand with them and in, in, in mourn with them in that pain. They have it to a far greater degree, I'm sure, than anybody who's, who's far away. But that does not mean that what they are saying on politics has any more legitimacy or that it has any more expertise to back it. And yet, th- there's a reason the media does this, right? After, uh, after the Boston Marathon attacks, did you see victims of the Boston Marathon attacks on TV every day stumping for a travel ban on Muslims? Of course you didn't. After the Orlando shootings, did you see victims of the Orlando shootings who were not left-wing going around and saying, what we need here is a restriction on the number of Muslim immigrants from countries we can't vet? Of course you didn't. Right? The media go out of their way to put people on camera who are sympathetic. This goes all the way back to the Sandy Hook shooting when Piers Morgan was attempting to do this routine, and I, and I called him on and on air. It's highly irritating to me, and it's intellectually dishonest, but there's a reason that all these kids are being put on TV, and to put pressure to... The, the idea, by the way, that a child shall lead them when it comes to politics is silly. The, the idea that, that children are are experts on policy because they have greater innocence, no. That means that they don't know enough. There's a reason that you don't let 17-year-olds define tax policy, and you shouldn't let 17-year-olds define gun policy either, depending on whether they've actually studied the issue in any significant way. But again, the media have a real interest in trotting out these kids. Here's another student talking about how Trump sickens, sickens the student. President Trump, you control the House of Representatives. You control the Senate. And you control the executive. No, he doesn't. You haven't taken a single bill for mental health care or gun control and passed it. And that's pathetic. We've seen a government shutdown. We've seen tax reform, but nothing to save our children's lives. Are you kidding me? You think now is the time to focus on the past and not the future to prevent the death of thousands of other children? You sicken me. Uh, Trump sickens him. Okay, well, again, Trump does not control the House. He does not control the Senate. I mean, basic civics education would be useful here. These are independent branches of government, and they have to propose and pass legislation. Democrats would filibuster, presumably, a lot of the legislation Republicans would propose. And Republicans are not going to propose legislation that their base doesn't want and that their voters don't want. This is how a, a republic works. Again, the reason the media are going back to the well here is because they're attempting to create an impetus for action that there is no political impetus for right now. This is aimed at the public. It's not really aimed at Trump or even the legislators. It's aimed at the general public. The suggestion being that if you disagree with these students and if you don't feel their pain in the same way that they do, and by feel their pain we mean agree with them, then that means that you are obviously an uncaring individual. Here's another student doing this routine yesterday.
1: We are going to be the kids that you read about in textbooks not because we are going to be another statistic about mass shootings in America, but because, just as David said, we are going to be the last mass shooting.
0: Okay, but but here's the reality. That's probably not true. And none of the gun control, I mean, it's an unfortunate reality, but none of the gun control measures that are currently being proposed by the Democrats would have stopped what happened in Parkland. I've yet to hear a concrete proposal. Have you heard one? I haven't heard any concrete proposal, none. This piece of crap who shot up the school had smoke grenades on him. We still don't know how he got the smoke grenades. Do you think it would've been, po- been impossible for him to go through and shoot all these students with a handgun? That's what, that's what the student at Virginia Tech used, used a handgun in that shooting. So blaming the, the AR-15 is is not going to stop these these mass shootings. Again, all of this is about generating emotional appeal, not about making a logical appeal. But the real goal here is to, is to get politicians in front of these kids so these people can berate the, the politicians. So Marco Rubio is falling for this. He's, he's gonna go talk to the victims on camera in front of CNN.
1: It's not our job to tell you, Senator Rubio, how to protect us. The fact that we even have to do this is appalling. Our job is to go to school, learn, and not take a bullet. You need to figure this out. That's why you were unfortunately elected. Your job is to protect us, and our blood is on your hands.
0: Okay, again, our blood is on your hands. I mean, only if you think that the government is God and can prevent every single thing or unless you have a piece of legislation that is backed by evidence and can suggest that there will be no more mass shootings if you pass this piece of legislation. And then then we can actually have a conversation. But here's the truth. We know why this shooting took place. We know what failed here. We know what, what, what went wrong here. And I'll explain to you in a second what exactly that was. And it was not lack of gun control. I'll explain that in one second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Indochino. So... There is nothing that makes a guy look better than wearing a tailored suit. Dudes look better in tailored suits. It's why James Bond is always wearing a tailored suit. It's why you should be wearing a tailored suit. And I don't just mean something you got off the rack and then went to the tailor to fix up. I mean something that is made from scratch. And that's where Indochino comes in. They're the world's largest made-to-measure menswear company. And they've been featured in major publications, including GQ, Forbes, and Fast Company. They make suits, shirts made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Guys, love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and the option to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and monogram. I have an Indochino suit. It is spectacular. It's a three-piece suit with the vest. And I went into one of the Indochino showrooms, and they asked me all of the available changes that I wanted to make, how I wanted the stitching done. It's really, really cool. Here's how it works. You can either visit a showroom or shop online at indochino.com. You pick your fabric, you choose your customizations, you submit your measurements, and then you wait for your custom suit to arrive in just a few weeks. And this week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just 379 bucks at Indochino.com when entering Shapiro at checkout. Again, that's Indochino.com. You enter Shapiro at checkout, and the price of that suit drops to $379. bucks. is 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit, and shipping is free. So Indochino.com, promo code Shapiro for any premium suit, just $379 in free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a suit that's going to fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. They just ask you for your measurements, and they send it directly to you in the mail, And it is the best fit that you will have in a suit. Again, Indochino.com and use promo code Shapiro at checkout. A suit made for you and made to measure. Pretty fantastic. And again, cheaper than a lot of the suits you get off the rack for just $379 right now when you enter Shapiro at checkout. Indochino.com and you enter promo code Shapiro at checkout. Okay, so what exactly went wrong in Parkland? We know what went wrong at Parkland. The left insists that the government must have total control over guns in order to stop mass shootings like what happened at Parkland. But we found out that the government won't do that. Okay, we found out the FBI knew full well about the shooter in the Parkland, Florida school massacre and did nothing two times. Two. First, they were informed in September that a YouTube user with the shooter's real name said, quote, I'm going to be a professional school shooter. I'm not sure what you need more than that to go and check it out. The FBI didn't even forward it to the field office. They didn't bother to share the information with local authorities. Now the Wall Street Journal reports that in January, a caller told the FBI specifically about the shooter's, quote, gun ownership, desire to kill people, erratic behavior, and disturbing social media posts, as well as the potential of him conducting a school shooting. What happened? Nothing. It was ignored. It was not even forwarded to the field office. So when we talk about the government is, is big enough to save us, the government's big enough to protect us, there are thousands and thousands of people in this country right now who, have, who are felons who have guns, and the government knows about them and is doing nothing. There are thousands of people who are in the mental health roles and they have guns, and the government is doing nothing about them. And you're telling me that a mass gun confiscation is the way that you're going to take care of this? Or that if we have a march in the streets, that somehow this is going to accomplish the end of this? One of the ways that we could actually militate against this, there are two ways that I would propose, maybe three, uh, that, would, that would actually, mil- I-, I can actually name, I think, maybe four things that we could do that would militate against all of this. So first thing that we could do is the media should stop naming shooters and providing glory to the shooters. When we do this stuff, all we end up doing is promoting this These are copycat crimes. A huge number of the school shooters are fans of Columbine, have downloaded information about Columbine, become obsessed with school shootings and want to imitate it so they can get their name in the papers. The media should have an agreement all the way through and we're gonna start implementing this at Daily Wire now, I do it on my show, that we're not gonna name the shooter. That is something that that I think everyone should work on in the media, that's something that we can do firsthand. Second thing, we should have massive security at the schools. This idiotic notion that there is a school to, to prison pipeline is not backed by data that if if you have a bunch of armed guards in the schools, then kids are being arrested for silly crimes and then being sent to prison. It's just not true. The data do not support that. We have a whole article by Hank Berrien over at the Daily Wire about this. You can go and check that out. It is not the case. Other things that we can do. The mental health screenings that are already taking place. There needs to be more transparency. All of this information needs to be transmitted to local authorities. It all needs to be put in the databases. People need to be fired or lose their jobs or lose their careers if they do not enter information that is relevant and then something terrible happens. Because I promise you, for every school shooting that happens like this where the FBI missed it, there are 100 other instances where the FBI missed it, but there was no school shooting. If this happened once, this happened 100 times. We've now had the FBI and the CIA miss things in the San Bernardino shooting, in the Texas shooting, in this shooting, in the Charleston shooting. The government is not doing what they, are already, ha- what they already have the power to do. So that's something that we certainly should be taking a look at. So that, those, are, those are three things right off the bat that we should be looking at. David French has a proposal over at National Review that is called the Gun Violence Restraining Order. And what he suggests, I wanna find the, the actual verbiage. So he says that what we should do here is we should have GRVOs. He says there are various versions of these laws working their way through the states. California passed a GRVO statue in 2014 and it went into effect in 2016. Broadly speaking, they permit a spouse, parent, sibling, or person living with a troubled individual to petition a court for an order enabling law enforcement to temporarily take an individual's gun rights away. A well-crafted GVRO should contain the following elements. Quote, it should limit those who have standing to seek the order to a narrowly defined class of people, like close relatives, people living with the respondent and should require petitioners to come forward with clear, convincing, admissible evidence the respondent is a significant danger to himself or others. It should grant the respondent an opportunity to contest the claims against him. In the event of an emergency, an ex parte order, an order granted before a respondent can contest, should be scheduled fairly, uh, a full hearing should be scheduled quickly if there's an ex parte order. And the order should lapse after a defined period of time unless petitioners can come forward with clear and convincing evidence that it should remain in place. So this, should, this would be something that we could all agree on across the board. These seem like reasonable gun control measures to me. And they're not just gun control measures. They're societal, societal control measures in the sense that they are restrictions we place on ourselves in order to try and tamp down the possibility of violence here. Unfortunately, we're not going to have real conversations about all of this. We're just going to shout at each other about how we don't care enough. And chief among those people shouting is, of course, Neil deGrasse Tyson. So Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, is very angry when people talk about praying for the victims or praying for the families of the victims. He says, quote, evidence collected over many years obtained from many locations indicates that the power of prayer is insufficient to stop bullets from killing school children. Okay, evidence gathered from all over the world from many locations across thousands of years indicates that no religious person in history has ever claimed that prayer stops people from shooting other people. There's not a religious person in America who actually believes that if I pray, school shootings will end. Nobody thinks that. But the left is fully intent on using school shootings as a club to wield against their favorite political enemies. And Steven Pinker, whose whose book I'm going to talk about a little bit uh, in Things I Hate, I talked about his Things I Like last week, and then I actually had a chance to read it, so now I'm going to talk about things I don't like about it, but Steven Pinker is a psychologist over at Harvard, and he was talking about atheism on MSNBC and suggesting that the, that we should quit it with all of the quit it with all of the religion talk because obviously God doesn't exist. All of which really cast doubt on the idea that there's a benevolent shepherd who looks out for human welfare. I mean, what was the benevolent shepherd doing in uh, Florida while that teenager was uh, massacring his classmates? Uh, So I don't, you know, I don't write in order to win popularity contests. And I say many things, some of which readers will agree with, some of which they'll disagree with. I I assume that readers have enough sophistication to uh, evaluate different uh, propositions. They may disagree with me on some things, and that's fine. Okay, so this is the problem of theodicy. Okay, theodicy is the problem that has been literally considered thousands of times by thousands of different religious thinkers. Why would a good God allow bad things to happen? I do love it when people who are on the atheist left simply declare that the problem of theodicy is unsolvable and therefore God doesn't exist, as though their mind is God's mind. Bad things happen, therefore God doesn't exist. If you're using a school shooting to make the case against God, let me suggest that your priorities are misplaced. One of the things that can help here might be a society that takes virtue more seriously, that inculcates manhood more seriously as opposed to a society of atomized individuals who apparently have no responsibility for one another. Maybe, maybe that's where we should start when we have these societal discussions. But again, it's all taking advantage. Bernie Sanders taking advantage of the gun control debate in order to push his agenda, even though Bernie Sanders is voting right on guns. is actually a lot softer than a lot of other Democrats.
1: Of course, we have to make it harder for people to be able to purchase weapons. We have people now who are on uh, terrorist uh, watch lists right. who can purchase And a weapon. Does this make any sense to anybody? Bottom line here, Republicans are going to have to say that it's more important to protect the children of this country than to antagonize the NRA. Are they prepared to do that? I surely hope they are.
0: Weird. I mean, because Bernie Sanders has said this, quote, folks who do not like guns are fine, but we have millions of people who are gun owners in this country. 99.9% of those people obey the law. I want to see a real serious debate and action on guns, but it's not going to take place if we simply have extreme positions on both sides. I think I can bring us to the middle. And yet there's no proposal there. There's just casting aspersions at people with whom he disagrees, which is quite gross. Again, all all of this is silly. And and you see John Kasich doing the same thing. John Kasich, one of the more gutless politicians of my lifetime, the governor of Ohio, who had a pretty pro-gun record when he was in Congress and had a pretty pro-gun record as governor of Ohio. Now, of course, he's coming out and saying we should ban AR-15s. Why should we ban AR-15s? Let's hear some of the worst logic we're gonna hear today from the insufferable John Kasich. He said, if all of a sudden you couldn't buy an AR-15, what would you lose? Would you feel as though your Second Amendment's rights would be eroded because you couldn't buy a God darn AR-15? These are the things that have to be looked at, and action has to happen before—and look, you're never gonna fix all of this, but common sense gun laws make sense. Okay, common sense—well, that—I've I- never heard circular logic like that before. Common sense gun laws make sense. Well, thank you, definitionally idiotic human. The question is, what is a common sense gun law? How about an evidence-backed gun proposal? How about that? Say an evidence-backed gun proposal makes sense, not common sense gun laws. Common sense is very often the last reserve of people who don't actually want to do the field work of having to look up the evidence, common sense. When people say common sense isn't so common, that's because common sense would actually involve you looking at the evidence and then making a policy proposal based on it. By the way, the verbiage here is so stupid, the idea that You know Here he is saying, if I can't buy an AR-15, do I feel like my Second Amendment gun uh, gun rights have been violated? Well, if I didn't have to listen to John Kasich, would I feel like my First Amendment rights have been violated? Actually, yes. I don't like John Kasich. But if I couldn't listen to John Kasich, my First Amendment rights would be being violated. I have a right to hear what he has to say. What we like and what we don't is not the measure of a right. What we like and what we don't is a measure of preference. A, A question of right is what I have a right to do and what I have a right to have. I don't have to take advantage of that right in order for that right to exist. I have a right to sleep with as many people as I want to in the United States. I'm not going to do that. I don't like the. I don't like people who who do do that. But I have a right to do that. I have lots of rights in the United States that I don't take advantage of. John Kasich apparently thinks that if a right doesn't, if the the calibration of of reduction of a right does not affect me, then somehow it's not a reduction of a right. That of course is completely evidenceless and foolish. But that's the, that's the nature of this debate. Evidenceless and foolish is, I think, what it comes down to in the end. As we continue here, we're going to talk about Trump Russia and the Mueller, Robert Mueller brought down an indictment on Friday that does some serious damage to the Democrats' claims that he was colluding with Russia. We'll talk about that in just a second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at My Patriot Supply. So I saw a report today that over in Puerto Rico, they're now five months past the hurricane that hit Puerto Rico, and a lot of folks still don't have food, a lot of folks still don't have water or electricity. The fact is the government can't do what the government says it's going to do in many cases, and that's why you need a food supply. FEMA has admitted failure and that it is broke and that it is broken. So don't wait for the next crisis where the government fails to deliver and grocery store shelves go empty. Ensure that your family is ready. Use My Patriot Supply. They will give you a two-week emergency food supply to get you started. For this week only, these kits are on sale for $67 each, which is a saving of $50. Two-week emergency food supply for $67 each. Buy it now. You don't have to worry about it for 25 years because it lasts for 25 years in storage. Order a two-week kit for each member of your family right now. 888-803-1413, or go online to preparewithben.com. It's something you can get done right now. It's very easy. It's very simple, and it won't... It won't be a problem. So go to preparewithben.com right now, 888-803-1413, and get your two-week kit from My Patriot Supply. Apparently, it's delicious, according to folks in this office have tasted it. They say it tastes just like home cooking. You save $50 today, right now, 888-803-1413, preparewithben.com. That's preparewithben.com, one-time expenditure, and you don't have to worry about it for another quarter century if something should go wrong. And if you never use it, count yourself lucky. That's a good thing. And so go over to My Patriot Supply right now, uh, preparewithben.com. That's preparewithben.com. Okay, so... Quick update on trump Mueller stuff. So, the trump Mueller investigation continues to unspool, and it is not providing the sort of evidence that Democrats would wish that it would provide. On Friday, the Mueller investigation's grand jury indicted 13 Russians associated with election meddling. But that was not the real headline. The real headline is that among all of this activity, nothing all that serious seems to have occurred. I'm just gonna be frank about this. It doesn't look like any of this swayed anything having to do with the election. None of this looks particularly damaging. And beyond that, none of it had to do with the Trump campaign apparently knowing about what was going on with Russia at all. The indictment targets 13 Russian nationals, three Russian entities the government says were utilizing, quote, information warfare during the election cycle. According to the indictment, these people, quote, supported the presidential campaign of then-candidate Donald Trump and worked on disparaging Hillary Clinton. But after Trump's election, according to the same indictment, quote, defendants and their co-conspirators used false U.S. personas to organize and coordinate other false U.S. personas to... to organize and coordinate U.S. political rallies protesting the results of the 2016 presidential election. One of those rallies actually included a Trump is not my president rally held on November 12, 2016. So in other words, it was the Russians trying to make trouble during the election, not necessarily backing Trump Per se, so what about election coordination with the Trump campaign? Here's what the indictment says, quote, some defendants posing as US persons and without revealing their Russian association communicated with unwitting individuals associated with the Trump campaign and with other political activists to seek to coordinate political activities. Folks, that's not collusion. Collusion, you actually have to know who you're talking to. If I, I I don't understand the argument that this is collusion. If I were to call up the Trump campaign and say, I wanna do a rally for you in Texas, and they say, sounds great, let's do a rally in Texas. And I'm not Russian then it's not collusion. If I am Russian and I say, let's go do a rally in Texas, and they don't know that I'm a Russian agent, then how is it collusion? It's only collusion if they know they're forwarding the agenda of the, of the Kremlin. If the Kremlin's agenda is the, is the Trump victory, that's not Trump's fault, Trump's victory is his own agenda. The logic that you did something and it happens to be coincident with something the Russians wanted, not that you coordinated with Russia and that's collusion still, that logic does not hold. So what exactly did all of these organizations do? They created, quote, certain fictitious U.S. personas into leaders of public opinion in the United States. Like what? They created thematic group pages including Blacktivist, Secured Borders, and Army of Jesus, and they created Twitter accounts like 10GOP, which ended up with more than 100,000 followers. By the way, that's the extent of what they did, that they created one Twitter account that was successful, that had 100,000 followers. You know how many people have accounts with 100,000 followers? A lot. You know how many people have accounts with over a million followers? Not all that many. I have about 1.2 million followers right now. If the Russians really wanted to pour resources into Twitter, you'd figure they would get one account that was really, really influential. 100,000 followers is not all that influential. So who did they support? Quote. They engaged in operations primarily intended to communicate derogatory information about Hillary Clinton, to denigrate other candidates such as Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, and to support Bernie Sanders and then-candidate Donald Trump. They encouraged U.S. minority groups not to vote in the 2016 U.S. presidential election or to vote for a third-party U.S. presidential candidate, so pushing for Jill Stein and against Hillary Clinton. It sounds like they didn't like Hillary very much. It sounds like it was more anti-Hillary than pro-Trump per se, but regardless, there is no evidence of actual Trump-Russia collusion in these indictments. Now... Could there be evidence that appears later? Sure, but we're still waiting to see some. Rick Gates is a member of the Trump campaign who's now gonna be indicted. Looks like he's gonna be indicted on charges having nothing to do with Trump. Looks like it has to do with corrupt activities with regard to Ukraine and Paul Manafort. So so thus far, we've had zero evidence that the Trump campaign actively colluded with the Russians. The best that they can do is say there was intense collude. That would be the, the meeting between Donald Trump Jr. and Russian lawyer Veselnitskaya, Natalia Veselnitskaya. Uh, and the exchange that Trump Jr. had with a friend of his in Russia who was saying the Russian government wants to help out. So intent to collude is not a crime. Actual collusion is probably not a crime, actually, depending on how exactly it went down. But the the story we've been told for over a year is that the Russians skewed the election to Hillary Clinton, and then the evidence they provide for this is really scanty. They're like putting up memes on Facebook that have 15 shares, putting up dumb memes that have 100 shares on Twitter, one Twitter account that's successful enough to have 100,000 followers, that's it? So Trump rightly uh, comes out and starts blasting away against the Democrats for all of the Trump-Russia stuff uh, in an epic tweet storm. He says, Russia started their anti-U.S. campaign in in 2014, long before I announced that I would run for president. The results of the election were not impacted. The Trump campaign did nothing wrong. No collusion. Fact check, True. And then he says, "Charges deal on a big win, written by Michael Goodwin of The New York Post, succinctly shows the Russians had no impact on the election results. There was no collusion with the Trump campaign. She lost the old-fashioned way by being a terrible candidate. case closed." Again, fact-check true. This is Deputy A.G. Rod Rosenstein stated at the press conference, quote, "There's no allegation in the indictment that any American was a knowing participant in this illegal activity. There's no allegation in the indictment that the charged conduct altered the outcome of the 2016 election." Fact-check true. And he continues. And the funny how the fake news media doesn't doesn't want to say that Russian group was was, sorry, was formed in 2014 long before my run for president. Maybe they knew I was going to run even though I didn't know. Did, first of all, a lot of the fake news media did fact check false. The fake news media did actually point out that this that this interference started in 2014. And then he says, "I have seen all of the Russian ads and I can say very definitively that swaying the election was not the main goal." Rob Goldman, vice president of Facebook Ads, fact check true. So, all of this is true. This is very sad. Now, here's where he goes off the rails. Here's where Trump cannot help but be Trump, and it's not good. And he tweets, quote, very sad the FBI missed all of the many signals sent out by the Florida school shooter. This is not acceptable. They're spending too much time trying to prove Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. There is no collusion. Get back to the basics and make us all proud. This is stupid. This is counterproductive. There is, this is very dumb. That last comment there, the FBI agents responsible for stopping the school shooting we're not the FBI agents who are investigating Trump-Russia collusion. That is a very, very stupid comment. Uh, it's a it's a comment that, that linking those two issues is really gross and, and nasty and vulgar, and Trump never should have done it. Then he said, quote, I never said Russia did not meddle in the election. I said it may be Russia or China or another country or group, or it may be a 400-pound genius sitting in bed and playing with his computer. The Russian hoax was that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. It never did. Well... That's really not true either. The president said over and over and over that he doesn't really believe that Russia meddled in the election. He said that Vladimir Putin keeps telling him, and he sees no reason not to believe him that Russia didn't meddle in the election. He's expressed his doubts about Russian meddling a thousand times. But with all of this said, you know the president can't help himself. He gets on Twitter. He says silly things. It's what he does for a living, aside from being president. Um, but with all of that said, you know, the this the uh, the the basic notion promoted by the Trump uh, by the Trump Mueller investigation, the new the new. Uh, allegations put out by the Mueller investigation, it basically suggests that Trump is not wrong here. There's there's never been a lot of strong evidence of, of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians, uh, and the media that keep trying to push this story are gonna have some real trouble if they continue to push this story. Now, Trump can be as dumb as he wants on Twitter, and he will, but that has nothing to do with the underlying accusation made by the media which is that Hillary Clinton didn't lose the election. The Russians won it for Trump. There is no evidence of that whatsoever. Uh, any suggestion to the contrary is evidence-free. Okay, so in just a second, we're going to, get to, we're going to get to sports and politics because I need to play for you the worst rendition of the national anthem in human history. But first, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. So for $9.99 a month, you can get a subscription to dailywire.com. When you do, you get the rest of this show live. You get the rest of the Andrew Clavin show live. You get the rest of the Michael Knowles show live. You also get to be part of our mailbag on Fridays. You get all sorts of goodies behind the paywall. And you will get to do all of those things. Plus, you get the annual subscription. The annual subscription allows you to get all of those things. Plus this, the very greatest in beverage vessels right here, the Leftist Tears Hot or Cold Bunk. How great is it? It has the power of invisibility. That's how great it is. It has its own cloaking device. It was produced in Wakanda. It was made from vibranium. And it is spectacular. It is just that good. So you can check that out with a $99 Annual subscription fee. Thanks to Jess for forgetting the cup. Really appreciate that. And uh, and we <laughs> right under the bus goes Jess. And we will uh, and and y- you will uh, be able to enjoy all the glories of our, of our leftist here's hot and cold tumbler when you get the annual subscription. Also, if you just want to listen later to the rest of the show, go over to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, Stitcher, any of those. Uh, Apple Podcasts. They all have the podcast. We are one of the largest podcasts in the United States, and we are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast in the United States. <clears throat> So I do want to talk sports and politics, but in order for me to lead this off, I do have to discuss the worst national anthem in the history of national anthems. This, of course, was from Fergie, who gave the national anthem a black eye. Get it? Get it? She gave it a black eye. Fergie? Yeah, F E R G I E. I gonna make the joke again in case you missed it the first time because it's so good. F-E-R-G-I-E-L-I-C-I-O-M-G-W-T-F. Here it is, Fergie, singing the worst national anthem of all time. Watch the reactions of the NBA players who are listening to her. Kneeling would have done less dishonor to the anthem than the way that Fergie sang this national anthem. It's just horrifying. Can you see I'm never gonna cut it man I'm just gonna let it play. It's so good
1: <laughs> What's so
0: what in the world? at the last. <laughs> Steph Curry, it's like, what is going on, man?
1: Everybody is trying so hard not to laugh at this.
0: Look at them trying. Look at LeBron trying to hold in the the laugh. He's really trying hard there. <laughs> it comes to a point in this clap where the entire the entire crowd actually starts laughing. We have to wait at least till we get Draymond Green's reaction. (laughs) Oh, no. And she's a terrible
1: singer, too.
0: Oh, no. Oh no! Oh, okay. Watch Draymond here is the best. Wait till they get to Draymond Green. It's so good. (laughs) You hear the crowd laughing because it's so terrible. (laughs) Jimmy Kimmel can't hold it in. Jimmy and I are on the same side here. (laughs) What the hell is this? Oh, Oh, so great. Okay. Everybody's laughing now. They can't hold it in. Oh, the capper is so good. Oh, no. Let's (laughs) play some basketball! What in the world? Oh my! I think we can all come together around Fergie is awful. Oh my goodness, that is just hot garbage. Roseanne Barr finally gets off the schneid because of Fergie. Wow, wow, Carl Lewis off the schneid. If you, don't, if you haven't seen them sing the anthem, by the way, go to YouTube and look it up, pretty spectacular. Yeah, uh, I'm, how about this? How about we just sing the national anthem like it was supposed to be sung as opposed to Marilyn Monroe singing Happy Birthday to JFK while having sex with them? How about we don't do that? with the national anthem, because that was not good. Wow. Okay, now, the sports community has decided that it is imperative that they all speak up on politics. Very, very important that if you are good at basketball, that you speak up on politics. Now, it's fine. You want to speak up on politics? Everyone in the United States has the right and the capacity to speak up on politics. Whether we should respect your opinion is another question. Lots of people have very dumb opinions. So among those who have very stupid opinions is uh, Adam Rippon. So Adam Rippon is is an ice skater, and he says that, uh, quote, I'm not like a gay icon or America's gay sweetheart. I'm just America's sweetheart, and I'm just an icon. So Milo Yiannopoulos coming back as an, as an ice skater there. Uh, this, this, well, the, he finished 10th, like 10th. Can okay, you know who finished 10th in the NFL last year? It was the Atlanta Falcons with a 10-6 and six record. The Jacksonville Jaguars also were 10-6. And, and This does not make you an icon. If you finish 10th, that does not make you an icon. But the media are so perverse that they actually moved to give Adam Rippon a job as a commentator after finishing 10th at the Olympics. Can you name the person who finished 10th at the last Olympics? You can't, you know why? Because they're not an icon. Definitionally, you finish 10th at the Olympics, you're not an icon. So NBC briefly hired him to serve as a correspondent for the rest of the 2018 games in Pyeongchang, South Korea. He's one of the first openly gay athletes to compete at the Olympics. And uh, he won a bronze medal for figure skating at some point, I guess. Uh, We'll work for NBC as a correspondent on TV digital and social media. The only reason that they're even talking about having him, first of all, anyone who thinks that he's a gay icon in figure skating, um, guys, Weir, Brian Boitano, have you watched the, the, the figure skating coverage at all? I haven't, but if you have, then you've seen Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir. Okay, Johnny Weir is dressed like Lady Gaga every day, commenting commentating on this. I mean, that guy is 10 times as gay as Adam Rippon or at least if you're if you're talking about gay stereotypes he is stereotypically gay much more than Adam Rippon he is a gay he's a gay icon okay Johnny Weir is much more of a gay icon than Adam Rippon but Adam Rippon ripped on Mike Pence and therefore he is therefore he's a gay icon now for some odd reason the media wish to prop up these cultural figures because they think that the american people actually listen to them the american people don't listen to them other people who the american people don't really care about hearing from on politics as a general rule LeBron James so LeBron James can say whatever he wants on politics Laura Ingram when she said shut up and play basketball now LeBron James can say whatever dumb thing he wants that's his prerogative but LeBron James responded to Laura Ingram and so now we're gonna have a LeBron James Laura Ingram fight for no apparent reason which is just awesome for the culture
1: here's LeBron oh definitely not uh, shut up and dribble um, I would definitely not do that I mean too much to um, um, to society I mean too much to the youth I mean too much to the uh, to, to so many kids that feel like they don't have a um, they don't have a way out, and they need someone to help lead them out of the situation they're in, and and that's why I would not sh- just shut up and dribble because I-, I mean too much to my two boys here, their best friend right here, my daughter that's at home, uh, my wife, my family, and all these other kids that look up to me for inspiration.
0: Okay, that's that's his prerogative. That's his prerogative. And it is worth pointing out, people were saying this is a race thing. Joy Reid came out and she said that it's just that Laura Ingram wanted to slam a black guy. That's why Laura Ingram did this. Yeah, this is ignorant. Here's what Joy Reid had to say. You know, and, Eric, and there is this extent to which Fox News has decided that the the, the, the grist for the ratings mill yes. is black people, right. black NFL players, black NBA players. I mean, you had Eminem make a music video attacking Donald Trump, that's not interesting to them. Right. And right. The, the grist is always black and brown people right. because they know what it sells, and yet you have Laura Ingram taking such umbrage and saying, oh, my, how dare you say my, my words were racist? Um, Her words weren't racist. She wrote an entire book it was a New York Times bestseller called Shut Up and Sing about the Dixie Chicks. The Dixie Chicks, last I checked, are the whitest people on planet Earth. And she wrote an entire book about how people who are in the music business should shut up and sing. Her whole, this has been Laura's shtick for a very, very long time. I mean, let's, let's at least be honest about the critiques that we're making of people. If you think that Laura Ingram shouldn't have said that LeBron James should shut up and dribble because you think that everyone has a right to speak, that's fine. But if you want to say that that's a racist thing, Laura ingram has been saying this about every celebrity that she can find for the last 15 to 20 years. I know, I was there. But Joy Reid wants to say it's a racial thing. Also, the idea that, that Fox News is is somehow ignoring the Eminem music video. They covered the Eminem. I was on Fox and Friends, I think, the morning they covered it. They've covered the Eminem music video over and over and over again. And they covered the Snoop Dogg music video. One of the reasons that they keep covering, quote-unquote, black folks in, in, in athletics is because it's a lot of black folks in athletics who are becoming very political these days. And because they think that Trump is racially biased and they think Trump's a racist and all the rest of it. The vast majority of players who are kneeling for the anthem in the NFL were black. The vast majority of players in the, in, the, in the NBA who are wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts were black because the vast majority of players in the NBA are black. It's not that Fox News, is this, this attempt to graft racial issues onto what are really political issues, I don't, I don't like very much. Another note about LeBron. When LeBron says, I'm too important to people not to speak up, that may be true. There are a lot of people who find LeBron James very important, and they want to hear from him. That may be true in the same way that it was true for Muhammad Ali. I don't like making sports figures into cult into political figures because I don't think they know very much about politics as a general rule. The mistake that Laura Ingram made here was suggesting, if she made a mistake, her was suggesting that innately, LeBron James is not capable of of talking about politics because he's a basketball player as opposed to he doesn't know what he's talking about, therefore we shouldn't pay any attention to him. The problem isn't LeBron speaking out. The problem is a society that takes celebrities seriously on politics. How do I know that our society takes celebrities seriously on politics? The president of the United States is Donald J. Trump. Okay, yes, we take our our celebrities seriously on politics. It's true on the right and it's true on the left. You can't critique LeBron for speaking out on politics if you were willing to vote for Kid Rock in the U.S. Senate race in Michigan. You can't talk about how you don't like celebrities talking about politics if you are excited every time Clint Eastwood makes a political statement. If he, it doesn't work for one side and not for the other. And on the left, you can't whine about Donald Trump as a celebrity. What does he know about politics if every time a celebrity comes forward like Lena Dunham whining about abortion, you take her super seriously because she writes a terrible show on HBO. Either Either we're going to have to judge people based on their expertise, or we're going to have this whole other ancillary set of gauges that we use for determining legitimacy. How close were they to a situation? So we'll use sympathy. How close were they to a situation that affected them? Or we'll use celebrity as a marker of decency and genius. Or we could say, well, does this person know anything about what they're talking about? And if the answer is no, then maybe we shouldn't, as a people, take them particularly seriously. Maybe Adam Rippon's take on politics is not particularly relevant because Adam Rippon doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He went on national television and suggested that the vice president of the United States is for gay conversion therapy, which is factually false. Maybe we shouldn't offer him a slot on ice skating coverage so he can do his, pol- his politicking at NBC. By the way, they withdrew the offer apparently after there was some blowback. The reason that people are, are up in arms about sports and politics is because there's been a whole set of media elites who have decided that sports figures and cultural figures have something deep to say. And you see it every time there's one of these controversies and a bunch of people come out and say, where's Taylor Swift on this issue? Where's Taylor Swift been on Me Too? Where's Taylor Swift been on the pussy hats? Who cares where Taylor Swift has been on any of this? She writes poppy teen beat songs. Who cares? Why, why does it matter where she is on this? Why would I possibly care what a boxer has to say about this stuff unless the boxers actually spent some time learning about the political issues at issue? There are boxers, by the way, who have spent time on politics. I think mean, it's Vladimir Klitschko, the, the heavyweight, or his brother who is very involved in Ukrainian politics. But the mark of expertise should not be how many cameras are on you on an ancillary thing. The mark of expertise should be whether you actually know what the hell you're talking about. Jennifer Lawrence, by the way, says she's taking off time from acting to to change the, to save our democracy. So she apparently thinks the Hunger Games is a real thing. She's gonna go get her bow and arrow and run out there. Uh, if, if the previews for Red Sparrow are any indicator, then I think we've all been blessed by her decision. But Jennifer Lawrence, why are we paying attention to her on politics? Who cares what Jennifer Lawrence has to say on politics? The answer is no one should because she doesn't know what she's talking about. But we all will because celebrity now dominates the roost. Okay, time for some things I like, some things I hate. And then we will get to uh, a Federalist paper. So, things I like. We could really do a thing I like and a thing I hate uh, together for Black Panther. Uh, because it is, it is really some of both. So, I saw Black Panther over the weekend. It is a very good Marvel movie. I am not a Marvel fan. I am a DC over Marvel guy. Uh, I have to analyze it on, on two levels, the, the Black Panther film. So, one is the movie level. Is it a good movie? The answer is yes, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a well-made movie. I think it's compelling. I found the characters interesting. Uh, I thought the story moved. Uh, I I liked the movie. I thought that it was better than most of the Marvel movies that I've seen recently. I think it'd probably fall, I said top three, uh, and it would probably fall top five for me Uh, in terms of the Marvel films. I think, what have they made, 17 of them now? They made a bunch of them. Uh, My top five Marvel films, uh, this would be on there. Uh, I I really liked Thor Ragnarok because it didn't take itself too seriously. That would be on there. Uh, Ant-Man would be on there. I know that I'm, I'm in the minority believing this. Uh, Ant-Man would be on there. Um, I really like Doctor Strange. I thought Doctor Strange should be on there. I have a weird Marvel list of movies that I like and they tend to be lighter. Black Panther is heavier and I think that it's pretty good for that. Uh, So it's well made. The acting across the board is really good except for Forrest Whitaker, bizarrely, who plays the same character in every film now. So Forrest Whitaker has basically become the guy he played in Rogue One and he's like that in every single science fiction film. He's kind of like Jeff Goldblum that way. When you cast Forrest Whitaker you know you're getting Forrest Whitaker. You're not gonna get really a performance but everybody else in the film is great, Michael B. Jordan steals the film as the villain, Killmonger. He's the best thing in it. Um, but the performances across the board are quite good. Okay, so that's level number one, is the film good? That's what, So things I like, I like that, that's good. It's a good film. Uh, so we can show a little bit of the preview and then I will explain some things about the film that I did not like. Tell me something. What do you know about Wakanda? a third world country. Textiles, shepherds, cool outfits. All the front.
1: Explorers have searched for it. Called it El Dorado. They looked for it in South America. But it was in Africa the whole time. I'm the only one.
0: Okay, so the, the movie's good. Uh, Andy Andy Circus, by the way, is terrific in the film, and they should have him in more films where he's not CGI'd as a monkey or something. Uh, he's 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 quite a good actor, and I really enjoyed him in the film. He plays kind a crazy guy. Okay, so we have to. So I analyzed it as a film. Very enjoyable, very good movie. Okay, now the politics. So before I go any further, I want to point something out. I did not politicize this film. You politicize this film media. It was you guys who made this into a big issue. I'm going to read you some of the headlines from the New York Times. Hey, these are the headlines from the New York Times about this film in the last two weeks alone. One, Black Panther smashes box office records in Hollywood myths. I took seventh graders to see Black Panther. Here's what they said. Black Panther and the revenge of the black nerds. How Black Panther got its gorgeous Afrocentric hair. Why Black Panther is a defining moment for black America. Black Panther brings hope, hype, and pride. Hey, people last week were saying, I was very upset that there was this movie being made. No, I'm not. I don't care whether the movie is made it's it was a good movie i enjoyed it what i care about is that the media are treating this as some sort of glorious moment like this is a very very important cultural moment it's not a very important cultural moment i'm sorry it isn't there have been blockbusters with black leads black comic book characters and films including nick fury hit movies primarily about black people for years critically acclaimed p- movies about black people for years in the last five years i think uh, 12 years of slave and moonlight both won both about black people so the idea that the americans are not willing to go see a movie with primarily black people like what are you talking about i just don't see the evidence for any of that and there's this this kind of virtue signaling that's now going around people saying they love the movie a little more than they do because they want to prove that they went to see a movie with black people and liked it? I I think that's really dumb. The movie's good. Is Is it Citizen Kane? No, it's not Citizen Kane. Is it a very good Marvel movie? Sure. Okay. The politics didn't go beyond that, though. So it's not just it's important for black kids to see a black superhero, which I find a dubious measure. I don't think it's important for white kids to see a white superhero. I think it's fine for white kids to see a black superhero, like Black Panther. I think it's fine for black kids to see a white superhero. I don't care. It makes no difference to me. But... There's something beyond that. So Carvel Wallace wrote this in the the New York Times, quote, No one knows colonization better than the colonized, and black folks wasted no time in recolonizing Wakanda. No genocide or takeover of land was required. Wakanda is ours now. We do with it as we please. And then he said also in this article that there's a, a video posted to Twitter in December, which has since gone viral. Three young men seen fawning over the Black Panther poster at a movie theater. One jokingly embraces the poster, while another asks rhetorically, this is what white people get to feel like all the time? There's laughter before someone says as though delivering the punchline to the most painful joke ever told, I would love this country too. Except nobody's ever gone to see a Captain America movie and said, wow, look, a movie with a white hero. I'm so excited. He's white. Nobody does that in America. That's not a thing. And they certainly don't go to a movie and say, wow, look, a movie with all white people and all the black people are bad because that would be a racist movie. That would be Birth of a Nation. That's bad. No, this this is not true. Okay, so what are the politics that are actually in the movie? I didn't politicize it. You politicized it. So now I have to break down the politics. Sorry, I have to do that. Shouldn't ruin your experience of the film. It's a good film. Okay, so here's what's good. Martin Luther King defeats Malcolm X. So there are two main characters in the film. One is T'Challa, who is a stolid Chadwick Boseman, and one, and he sort of plays the MLK figure. He's taking over for Wakanda. So I have to explain the plot of the film. So spoilers ahead. Okay, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, tune out now. Here are the spoilers. So there's a fictional kingdom that does not exist because the entire... None of this exists, right? It's Marvel Universe, but we're gonna pretend that it does exist for purposes of this conversation because when you analyze the politics of a film and the messages that are being promoted by the film, you have to take it on its own terms. So. Here is the, so here's what's going on. There is a country called Wakanda. Wakanda was hit with a meteorite that is filled with vibranium. Vibranium is basically unobtanium. It is the greatest metal that has ever been created. It can heal spinal wounds. It can give you visions of your forefathers. Uh, it can do anything, vibranium. It's just unbelievably cool crap. And it can turn your entire civilization, apparently, so long as there are no white people in your civilization, it can turn your entire civilization into a fully westernized, fully liberal place with gay rights and women running the military and women running all the science. Uh, running all the science institutions and all this, outside cultural influences don't matter. All that matters in this universe is that a big meteorite landed right here, and that there were no white people to ruin it. That was pre- that's pretty much the premise of Wakanda. And then Wakanda hides from everybody, but they still have the greatest country ever without any trade. So they have this metal, but the metal magically can grow things, and it can it can make everything super cool. It can be isolationist. You can have a, a complete uh, com- a complete state with no outside interference at all. Now, pause. In real life, this doesn't work out for anyone. Japan was the closest thing to this. America basically opened Japan with a couple of gunboats. Hey, China was like this. In the 1860s, the United States sent a couple of gunboats into China during the Boxer Rebellion, and basically took over, the, or during the Opium Wars, and basically took over large swaths of China and opened it to trade. So this is not accurate, okay? When you cut yourself off from the outside world, it typically makes you weaker, not stronger. But put that aside. Okay, so Wakanda is fantastic. It's the greatest place ever. But Wakanda didn't help out black people around the world when black people were suffering at the hands of white people. So, the king of Wakanda uh, before T'Challa was T'Chaka. It's his dad. T'Chaka had a brother. His brother was sent as a spy to Oakland. Why would you send a spy to Oakland? No one knows. Okay, no, what's in Oakland where you trying to get the Raiders playbook? There's nothing going on in Oakland that needs spying on If you're gonna send a spy, you send him to Washington DC, right? Do the Russians spend time sending their spies to help Trump in Oakland? No. Okay, so. That's stupid, but they send they send him to Oakland, he sends his brother to Oakland, and his brother in Oakland then turns into basically like a Black Panther, like an actual militant guy who says that America, he gives a whole speech about how America is filled with discrimination, and how black people in America are essentially living in poverty because the white people have flooded their neighborhoods with drugs and over-policing. There's an actual Black Lives Matter speech in the middle of the film. Okay, the, the, then he tries to smuggle some vibranium out to all of these Black Panther-type groups, and T'Chaka has to kill him. So T'Chaka kills brother. The brother had a son. The brother's son is Michael B. Jordan, who grows up to be Killmonger. His entire agenda is, Wakanda has all of its awesome vibranium. Why don't we help out oppressed peoples around the world overthrow their colonialist masters? Okay, that's the premise of the film, and that's the conflict. T'Challa, uh, T'challa wins, and Killmonger loses. So MLK defeats, defeats Killmonger. That's good, right? MLK's program is better than Malcolm X's program. Militants uh, and separatism is not better than integration and uh, and the belief that life should get better for everybody. However, the film's real message is that Killmonger is right. Yeah, okay, that's the, It's it's impossible to watch the film and not feel sympathy for Killmonger because of the way the script is written. There, that's for a couple reasons. One, Wakanda's incredible. In this film, the United States is garbage for black people, terrible place to live for black people. Now, again, break to real life. America is the best place on Earth for black people. There is no better place on planet Earth for black people as a group of human beings, just like there is no better place for women or Jews or any place else on planet Earth for anyone than the United States. Just a fact. Measure it in terms of income, measure it in terms of lifestyle, however you want to do it, America is a fantastic place for black people. That does not justify colonialism. It does not justify slavery. Evil things are evil, but that is not the same thing as saying that black people in the United States right now are somehow under the boot of the white supremacist institution, which is which is sort of the premise of the film. So, the United States in the film is garbage and Wakanda is great. That being the case, Killmonger's actually right. He's suggesting that black people in the United States are oppressed and that the system in the United States is legitimate because of colonialism and slavery, and therefore you have to overthrow that with violence. That seems like not the worst logic. Right? That doesn't seem completely wrong. Now, the reason it's wrong in real life is because colonization can be wrong and unjustifiable, and so can slavery. But the suggestion that the problems of modern day Africa lie in colonization and slavery, as opposed to a lot of internal problems that have existed for centuries in many places around the world, including in Africa, and that those problems continue today, that's too simplistic. Okay, that's too simplistic to blame that on colonization and slavery, because that's, that's silly. Okay, that's, so that's, that's, but the message is the, the wrong message here, which is the Killmonger is basically correct. There are a couple lines in here that underscore this. One of the people in the film who's sort of the, the Q figure, as in James Bond, Q One of the people in the film is a uh, is the sister of T'Challa and for no reason at all, she just calls a white boy, a white guy white boy. She calls the she calls uh, Bilbo Baggins white boy for no reason. Uh, and then she also says to, she calls him colonizer, like literally for no reason. he He walks out of bed and she goes, don't don't surprise me like that colonizer. It's like, really? That yeah, you just drop that in the middle of a film, and it's totally cool because all white people are colonizers now. By the way, the United States, the least colonizing power in the history of great powers. Okay, so that, that, some of the stuff that I dislike, there's also some rips against the US military. The solution at the end of the film is apparently not militants, but spending lots of money in the inner city. So T'Challa decides that he's gonna, that he's gonna buy up the portion of Oakland where his, uh, where his cousin grew up, and, uh, and he's gonna spend a lot of money on STEM technologies or some such. Uh, we've tried that, it has not been a giant success. The problem inside a lot of communities, failing communities in the United States, white, black, and green, uh, is lack of fathers, crime rates that are too high, lack of social institutions, not lack of monetary investment. We spent lots of money on the war on poverty. It has not been particularly effective. There's some mixed messaging on walls. We learned that walls are bad. There's One of the characters actually said, I think it's Chala. He says, we don't need to build walls, we need to build bridges, except for the fact that the entire Wakandan empire is built because of a wall, and that two of the four people who have entered Wakanda have tried to destroy Wakanda so that's not a really great immigration program, apparently. Um, But not every, listen, not everything is, uh, all the messages are bad. It says that women can be great at science, which is fine. It says that it's good, I mean, great. It says that race is not an obstacle to success, which is true and good. Uh, I hope people take away the good messages and not the bad, but there is the full breakdown uh, of that. You know what, we're we're out of time here, so we're gonna have to do our Federalist paper tomorrow, so we'll save our Federalist paper uh, for tomorrow. We do that every week, but you'll just have to come back here tomorrow for that. I'm Ben Shapiro, this is The Ben Shapiro Show.